Hello, I'm Will, and this is my wife, Dallas. Hi. And this is Not the Beginning, a podcast where a longtime Wheel of Time fan and a Wheel of Time newbie watch and discuss Amazon's The Wheel of Time. In this special season of Not the Beginning, we'll be discussing season one of the Amazon Prime series, The Wheel of Time. Note, at the time of recording, I have finished reading through The Great Hunt, but have not read further. If you have not read Robert Jordan's The Eye of the World and The Great Hunt, please proceed with caution. Warning, this podcast probably won't be suitable for younger audiences, and will definitely contain spoilers. On this episode of Not the Beginning, we will be diving in and discussing episode four of the first season of The Wheel of Time, The Dragon Reborn. If you have not seen The Wheel of Time episode four, please proceed with caution. Damn. This... Goddamn. (laughs) This episode went way harder than it needed to. I know. I mean, I know it's the Wheel of Time, and the Wheel of Time can go pretty hard, but god damn. I was just... I mean, we'll get to later how emotionally wrecked yeah. I was, but, like, at the, about the end. But just the entire episode, I was just kind of, like, taken on this ride of emotions. Because yeah. I, wasn't, I wasn't expecting what happened. Like... The base plot seemed familiar in some aspects. Like, the only thing that was really, truly familiar was the stuff with Perrin and Egwene and the Tinkers. Yeah. And, like, the Matt, Rand, and Tom stuff was, like, I, I could see squished. where it, it was squished, but I could see where they got plot points from. But, like, everything that happened with Logan was, like, brand new information, and I lived for it. Yeah, I really, really liked. I, I That was something I was interested in going into this season, and, yeah, it paid off. I really liked the increased focus on Logan. Because we didn't just get an increased focus on Logan because of that. We also got, like, a different vision, or we got, like, different information about Moraine and the Aes Sedai and Lan and Nynaeve, and we got, like, a different interaction because of the circumstances that Logan brought about. Right. So the episode opens, the, like, cold open for the episode, as it were, is Logan besieging Gildon? Yeah. And he had... We open with him having busted through the gates, and the soldiers are trying to stop him, and he's kind of showing partially why people who can use the one power are terrifying, because he's just kind of walking in, and there's nothing they can do against him. Right. He's just kind of tossing people aside and, like, right. just going about his business, and, like, he's not well, he's not really tossing people aside, but, like, they're trying to, like, they throw spears at him, and he just shatters them and continues walking. He's like, Whatever. what, that was supposed to do something? Yeah. And he eventually corners the king of Gildan. I don't remember his name in the books. I think Loghain actually kills him in the books. It's just way, way off screen. Yeah, because we don't really see Loghain right. in Eye of the World. Right. We just see him in Camelon, that's it. But so he confronts the king who's like, you're never going to have the crown. And Loghain doesn't want the crown. He's like, what is the crown to the dragon reborn? Right. And we get this really interesting kind of like triple juxtaposition here, right? We have Loghain the Conqueror, as he walked into a city. We, we hear like sounds of fighting and there's, he clearly has an army, but it's just him. He's there to conquer and he's clearly killed some people, but... He saves the king, even though the king tries to stab him. He heals him and is like, everybody, I, I will accept everybody, even if there's somebody who tries to kill me. Like, I, there is a place for everyone at my side, even my enemies. Right. And all the time, we kind of get revealed to us that he's had what he thinks are the voices of 
past dragons whispering in his mind, telling him to just kill the king because the king was going to betray him. Like he keeps, he he keeps believe he believes that he keeps hearing these past dragons telling him what to do because they probably introduced himself. So he like recognizes the names of these past dragons. Yeah, they're his... they're named characters in the show. I don't think they exist in the books. Why would they? But. Like, the characters have actual names. They're not just, like, disembodied voice one and two. And there is a cool, really cool bit of visual where we see his weaves and they're dark, but, and the voices manifest faces in the same, yeah. like, wispiness of his weaves, which yeah. is really cool. Which has me a little intrigued. So, one, here, I think they're doing something very good, uh, which is weaves of Sidene start out white, and they have this like white undercurrent through them, but they are quickly covered in black corruption. The but show you can calls it corruption, see. not the taint. Understandable. The taint is a ridiculous word. Yep. Men men are touched by the taint in the wheel of time. It's unfortunate. Uh, yeah, we're anyway. I'm good with them calling it the corruption. I yeah. don't need to say taint anymore. Yeah. Um so the faces are like figures made out of the corruption on Sidene, uh, which is really interesting. The one thing I saw that was really interesting was that the uh, they had the same like white stuff under them. Yeah, because I think in it's just a, it was really cool imagery, and I really liked it, especially because like we got to see that in juxtaposition with what we see later with Matt, because they're yeah. both like black, and they're both clearly a corruption of a sort, but. We see, when we just saw it covering the weaves, we didn't see as much of it. We couldn't see what it actually looks like when it's in a large glob. But when we see the faces made out of the one power, the corrupted one power, we can see just how wispy and airy it really is, which does contrast with whatever Matt's vomiting up later. Right, which is like the black kind of ooze of Shadow Logoth. Yeah. So one thing I'm really interested in here is if Loghain... So later on, when Loghain is captured, the the cold open was a flashback. When Loghain is captured, they're talking about how he's even further gone than most men. And I kind of wonder if that's true, or if Loghain just, like, has normal delusions of grandeur made worse by the I kind of think so, because, like, he... He's hearing these voices, which is clearly the signs of madness, but he really believes that these are the past dragons. Right. And that's what is fueling his belief, his true belief that he's the dragon reborn. And he's he also resisting that. He's resisting the voices. They're telling him to kill people. And he's just like, no, I'm going to have them join me. Because he really thinks that he's the dragon reborn, which is something that's interesting. He says at the end of the coal open, the last dragon broke the world. I'm going to bind it. And I just really like, I like this different telling because in the books we get this there's this implication that all of these false dragons know that they're false dragons they just they realize oh i can channel i can use this to my advantage right and get power but logan truly believes that he's the dragon reborn and he wants to do good with it and that makes like I like the point that you make about him possibly just having delusions of grandeur to begin with and this him being able to channel and going mad is playing off of that. Because if he was, if he did not have these delusions of grandeur to begin with, he probably would just be another typical false dragon yeah. that just wants power. But so because he has this, thing, he thinks that he is. The other thing that I kind of think might show that Loghain is less uh, 
corrupted than the ISA, I think, is that when the only other time we've seen a man channel was the like after voiceover cold open for the first episode where the Reds are chasing somebody down and that guy is there and he can clearly channel or Reds wouldn't be chasing him down. And there's another person with him that isn't there. And that's a full person to that guy. He's like a full, real looking person who's not there. And Logan just has these wisps. Because he's hearing voices rather than seeing people. Right. Which makes me think he's not as crazy as that guy clearly was because he knows their voices. Yeah. It's not like he thinks... Or at least he's not as corrupted. He might be just as crazy. Just not in the same way. I, like... Yeah, I can see like there's some there's some level of crazy to like believe that you're the savior of the world, even in a world where it exists. There's some level like that's the point for the the books, right? Is Robert Jordan was like if you got if you took a random guy from a village and told him he was the the chosen one, he'd be like, "Fuck you, no, I'm not." Unless he was a little bit had a bit of a savior complex, right? Which Rand doesn't, which is why he fights it for so long. And I think that like. Him believing that he is the Dragon Reborn at the end of book two is not because he's crazy. It's just because he was presented with enough evidence that he's like, okay, fine. Right. Like, he's fought, he's fought the Dark One enough times for him to be like, God damn it, now I'm the fucking Dragon Reborn. Yeah, it's like Harry being like, oh, well, if I can hear Voldemort and I've like literally got a piece of his soul in me, then like, okay, fine, I have to be the one to kill him. Yeah. Like, he doesn't want to, but he like he's confronted with enough evidence that it's like, okay, fine. Yeah. So, another thing I really like about Logan, this is going to be a very Logan-centric episode, because the plot is very Logan-centric. I mean, it's going to be Logan-centric for you. really, yeah, it's true. (laughs) I really like that we have Logan, who is presented as a villain, but just because, like, he doesn't want to do anything bad. He wants to do something good, but he's just way too dangerous. Yeah, he is dangerous. But he's very, very sympathetic. Yeah. Even when he kills Aes Sedai. Like, he kills an Aes Sedai. He, he breaks the shield when they're... I, either Leandrin dropped her half of the shield... Yeah, I have thoughts about that. Or they were just distracted and weakened. Because it... Clearly, holding the shield takes a lot of effort on them. Yeah. And he's stronger than they are. Yeah, but, like, when they're in... When they're in uh, this camp and he's been shielded and they keep taking turns to shield him because it takes two of them. Eventually, like, at some point, he ends up trying to break out of it and they have to put the shield... They're trying to put the shield back on him and he breaks out of it and... Shoots some Curin, stuff. Corinne? Corinne. 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 I know. I, there are a couple different pronunciations in the show. Yeah, there are. Um, shields and protects... Two of the Aes Sedai from getting hit by whatever it was, but she gets hit with it. And he doesn't, he seems upset a little bit by it. He doesn't want to kill them. Yeah, he just, he was trying to break out of it, and he didn't necessarily mean for them to get killed. Right. He just didn't want to be shielded anymore. Which is fair. Yeah, he wants everybody possible on his side. And he doesn't want to be cut off from the one power. Right. And being shielded is like being is like being gentled. Like you can't touch the one power when you're being shielded. Right. It's like being gentled, except that it's not permanent. Right. Yeah. It's it's really he's, good. He's actively trying to channel the entire time he's shielded. Yeah. Because they can like they're watching him and he's fighting them and they can feel it. Yeah. They they make a remark that women can't see men's weaves. I assume that the reverse is also true. It would be weird if it weren't. Yeah, and I think that we're clearly it's probably likely. So, I wish we got 
like people not seeing the weaves is not something that I necessarily like it's not something that I thought about it makes sense now that I've actually thought about like oh yeah of course no one like of course only other women channelers can see women's weaves and only other men channelers can see men's weaves that means normal people can't yeah which just side note makes all of the warders moving with the weaves that much more impressive yeah I mean it's impressive as an acting standpoint because, like, they can't... Well, it's exactly the same. It's exactly the same, but except a little bit different because they could just add the weaves in where they, they can watch it and go, oh, yeah, there should be one here, yeah. there should be one here. But, like, Lan moving with Moraine's weaves yeah. at Winter Night is just that much more impressive. Yeah. Because, like, he can't see them. Right. And I, for my, I don't know what made my brain think that he could. But he can't. Nope. And so it's just, like, so impressive. Yeah. And, like, in the battle part of the episode leading up to it, we see all these warders interacting with their eyes that I in mm. that same way, and it's just so impressive. Right. Like... Especially for greens who have multiple. Right. And, like, the warders are not only in tune to... Like, we get my favorite representation. Like, we get my, my favorite warder and green polytriad yep. that, like... I just love that, that, like, it's very clear that they're all involved with each other, and I just love it, and also they survive at the end of the episode, and I was going to be very upset if one of them died. Like, you can't just introduce a polytriad and then just, like, kill one of them (laughs) off (laughs) in the same episode. This is not, this is not supernatural. We're not just going to kill Cass the second we find out that he's in love with Dean. Like, stop it. Stop burying your gaze. But, like... That we see the warders interact, like her two warders interacting with just not only her magic, but like playing off of each other without any communication. Yeah. So it's not just that they have this intuitive bond with her, but they have it with each other. I'm kind of wondering if in the show they're going to have multiple warder bonds interact with each other. What do you mean? It's not really a thing in the in the books where like two warders have a have a special connection, have like a magical connection. I, I would kind of like to see it. It poses some interesting questions for later, but... And I I wouldn't necessarily need it to be a magical connection, but, like, I just especially liked watching... They were the only really introduced two warders to an Aes Sedai that we actually really saw. The that only ones... It confirmed that, like, these two people are bonded to this one person. There's another They're... green there are... that clearly has two warders, but... I didn't really catch which ones were her warders though yeah it wasn't there wasn't this explicit like these two people named people are bonded to this named person yeah and so i was mainly focused on them watching just to see like yeah what was going on and i'm not sure if it's just because that like these two men one just have a connection because they're both bonded to this person and they have a special connection with that person or if they they have something else going on as well if they have something else magical going on or if it's just because you know they love and care about each other so they just know each other so well yeah i really liked while we are on this topic it's alana and her warders who have different names Thank you. I can't in, remember. In the books. I can't remember. I couldn't remember names. Yeah. Alana and her warders are in the books. Her warders have different names, and it's not like not a polytriad necessarily. It's not not. It's just never confirmed or denied. So I really liked how their warders had just a very easy, like affectionate comfort with each other. Yeah. It wasn't like it didn't feel like they were trying really hard to be like, look at this. They're really comfortable with each other. Look, it's special. 
It was just like, no, they're just they're just there. They're and living the other, their lives. And their other warders were not even phased by it. Right. They're just like, you know, one of them sitting on the ground, like leaning against the other one's legs. It was a very yeah. comfortable affection. And they're like, they're not like super affectionate with each other. Right, not inappropriately not so. Not inappropriately so. It's, like just, it's just a bunch of people sitting around a campfire. It'd be really weird if they were just all the fuck over each other. Right. They're just like, you know, they're sitting next, They're sitting near each other. They're leaning against each other a little bit. They're making jokes with each other. Right. But also everyone else, like, I mean, they're all yeah. making fun of land in this story time. Like, yeah. We get, like, step-in story time. Yeah. <laughs> making fun of land. And they're all, like, telling funny stories because, like, Nynaeve's sitting there. Right. And so they're trying to make fun of Lan. Yeah. Because that's what bros do. It you is. Gotta, you gotta make your friend look bad in front of the girl that they clearly have a crush on. Yeah. And, it's, but it's just like this comfortableness. And then, you know, a lot of walks by and they're like, oh, time to go. Yeah. Oh. And they're clearly affectionate with her as well. Yeah. Which I liked. I liked that it was, it was good and felt natural. And like then, it didn't feel, it's really easy to make something like that feel unnatural. I know, it just felt like it, it It felt natural, and I think it's because no one except Nynaeve really commented on it. Right. Because... And it and it's only makes because, sense. Because she doesn't know. Right. Like, we could just get a lot of different images, or maybe not images, but we get a lot of, like, portrayals of different Aes Sedai and Warder bonds. Yeah. Like... Because we have Lan and Moraine, who are very... They have a very different relationship than the other warders. Corrine and Stepan have the closest relationship to Lan and Moraine. But there's just more verbal, whereas... There's just more verbal, and it feels more like Corrine is, like, the, like, captain, and Stepan is, like, a dedicated soldier. Yeah, that she clearly trusts, and they both trust each other a lot, and she listens to him, because, you know, he... Tells her that he needs to, she needs to rest. Like right. he does the same stuff that Land does in the first book. He doesn't do it as much here. Like we don't see Land Dad being no. as much in the show. I'm hoping we get to at some point. Yeah, but Stepan is more like there's there's still the implicit trust of the border bond, and they're still partners. But Kareem's more like a managing partner. Yeah, there is a clear power distinction between the two of them, whereas Morin and Land have like equal footing. Right. And, and like, Alana and her warders have a more, like, straightforward relationship dynamic. Because they're having, they're very heavily implied and slash confirmed that, like, they're romantically involved. Right. And so it's very different. And then on the other extreme of the spectrum, we have Leandrin, who hates all men. Right. We just get so many different perspectives of the warder relationships, and it was... I understand why they didn't do this, but I kind of wish we had seen more Aja's present. It really is just red and green. Right. And then you have Moraine in the middle, who's a blue. And there's some sort of... We, we get hints of, of the power dynamic in the tower here. But just knowing of the Aja's here, from a book reader's perspective, it's a little weird that the yellows aren't there. Like, they went to fight. Why would they not bring their healers? Yeah, at least one. Like, right. Because when they show up, it's right after Moraine has like been sort of doped up by Nynaeve. And we open for the episode proper with Karine healing Moraine. And she's a she's a green, and like they're they're the battle aja. They're the ones who go out. They and do fight. heal each other. They heal each other, and it would be a little weird for the greens not to know some healing because like 
battlefield medicine and whatnot. And but, when we watched the battle happening, a red gets shot with like two arrows and a green has to stop to heal her. I just, I feel like there should have been a yellow there. Like a yellow kind of like doing a little bit of, I feel like yellows would also know a little bit of battle magic. Well, they're still Aes They're still Aes But like that way a green doesn't have to stop to heal someone else. The yellow can be like, oh good, I can stop the thing I'm not good at to do the thing I'm good at. Whereas a green stopping to heal someone mid-battle is like, I'm stopping the thing I'm supposed to be good at to do something I'm not supposed to be good at. Right. One interesting thing I've noticed here is that we get a really good explanation for the greens and the reds. Yeah. Leandrin says that the reds hunt down everybody who misuses the one power, but especially men. She does explicitly say that I need, like, even other eyes that I. Right. Which... I think is supposed to be is, some thinly veiled threat at Moraine, but... I think so. Which is a little bit of a, a change in the books that will have a ripple effect way, way downstream, but it feels relatively natural in a world where the dragon could potentially be anyone. Right. And the Green Aja is the Battle Aja. We went yeah. over that already. Alana is like, we're going to lead the forces against the Dark One for last battle. Like, Alana takes a lot of pride in being in the green. Yeah. Uh, which I love. I loved Alana, which is I liked not her a character relationship I tend with to like. Moraine as well, because, like, they're talking about, like, Alana asks Moraine about, like, what was the name of that dog that you had? And yeah. Moraine's like, I never had a dog. Are you supposed to be getting information out of me? And then Alana's like, yes, but I'm supposed to wait a few days so yeah. it doesn't seem as obvious. Right. Corrine is, like, a, like a very straightforward, to-the-point type of person, and Alana's, like, fun. Yeah, and Moraine makes the comment of, like, ah, Sneaky, you almost could have been a blue. Right. And she's like, one warder would never do. Right, and so that, that, <laughs> that's actually something I was going to talk about. We don't get a good explanation of what the blues are for. We we get one from Leandrin, who says that they're basically spies, but... And I still don't know what blues yeah. are. I only, be- I only really knew what greens are because of the show, and yellows. I really only ever gotten an explanation for reds and browns. Yeah. Browns are the librarians and <laughs> reds are feminist to a fault. They, yeah, well, reds are complicated. Like, I hate saying that, but like, when you literally are only gentling men, yeah. it's, it reads like, and kind of without, it reads like the portrayal of bad feminism. And yeah. since it's a male author, that's like one of the things I fault him for. I like the change in the show. I like, I that like the change in the show. Because it makes it less like, oh, I'm like, I'm a men hating, femi- like mega man hating feminist. Yeah. I will say that in the books, it is somewhat more balanced by the fact that we don't spend a, a bunch of time with the Reds, and they're clearly portrayed as wrong. And there are other Ajas that they don't do the same, like, gentling stuff, but they're clearly more in balance. Yeah, I, d- I think that, like, like because if, if I'm were... a smart individual, I can make those nuances with the portrayal in the books, not That's necessarily fair. being as explicit, but I would have liked it to have been yeah. a more nuanced portrayal. Like, That's I fair. can add nuance to the portrayal, but sometimes the nuance just isn't there. That's fair. And they've added nuance to it yeah. in the show, which they I have, enjoy. They have added nuance from later books. That's also... <laughs> You're two books into a I'm only two book books series. in. So, but as of right now, it's just like a, ah, uh, we hate yeah. all men because we're feminist. And it's like, nah, right. not to get into a feminist thing, but like, yeah, but like, yeah. And the the Reds also do it utterly without compassion. Like, yes. they're there to, to help the world by preventing misuse of the one power, especially in men. I mean, like that, that point still stands because men go crazy when they change. Women don't. Right. Which is interesting because it it implies that a woman dragon would not go insane. It does, which is 
one of the things I am somewhat hesitant about. It's not that it's not that the dragon's arrival wouldn't be a terrifying thing anyway. It's just I personally liked the idea of having to rely on a savior who's going to go insane. I just I liked it from a plot perspective. The yeah. other one, I mean, it still makes sense for people to be scared of the dragon. The dragon could still break the world in a, in a world where they can be anyone. They're still the most and powerful. And actually, that would kind of make a female dragon even more terrifying because... She would choose to. She would choose to break the world. She wouldn't just do it on accident because she went crazy. See, I kind of disagree there that it would be more terrifying because in the other one, it is an inevitability. It's something you can't... like. Well, with, him breaking with... the world is not inevitable because he's crazy. It's not that... It's not, they haven't made the distinction with there being an option for a man and a woman being the dragon. It's not that all men who are the dragon are going to break the world because they go crazy and all women. Yeah. It just kind of adds another layer to it, right? Where, like, in the books, if it were an option, you could see people thinking, like, wanting a, a female dragon because at least then there's a possibility that the world won't be broken. That she won't choose, that she'd have see, to I choose to. See, I don't like to. that. I, I don't like the implication that... Men have to break the world because they're going crazy. I want the likeliness to be equal. That whether you're crazy or not, there is an equal option that you could break or save the world. Okay, that's fair. Because equality. Yeah. Because it just implies that because you're crazy, you're going to break things and you have no option to be crazy and good. And sometimes crazy people are trying to do good. Like Logan. Logan. And like, you know... It just implies this that, like, ment- people who are mentally unwell are going to do bad things. And, like, not all mentally unwell people are going to become serial killers. Yeah. Like, is... not all psychopaths are going to become serial killers. That's true. I, I, I think that that is generally a very, very valid point. I would say that, uh, like, in context, right, it's not just that they're crazy. It's that they are corrupted by cosmic evil. Because the voices in Logan's head aren't telling him to do random stuff. They're telling him to kill. But that also implies that then all, if women aren't corrupted, women dragons aren't corrupted because they don't have the corruption. I almost said taint. (laughs) (laughs) The women don't have this corruption that they automatically have to do good. I disagree there. I think that it leaves it as a question. Because clearly, I mean, like, the Red Aja is there to prevent misuses of the One Power. And the White Cloaks exist, which means that women who can channel don't always do good. An organization that extreme doesn't pop up out of nowhere. Yeah, that's true. And the Three Oaths exist to limit Aes Sedai from doing bad. I don't think Leandrin follows the Three. <laughs> Leandrin is a bitch. Leandrin is a bitch. And she remains a bitch in this episode, too. She does. She, like, comes up on Nynaeve mispronounces her name and like tries to like get on her good side and like so she, and and Nynaeve's like I don't trust you but like I'm gonna ask the questions first yeah and I think Leandrin's like okay I kind of like you or like I can appreciate you because Leandrin because Nynaeve is like you clearly want something out of me yeah. so here's what we're gonna do I'm gonna ask you a bunch of questions and if I like your answers then I'll give you what you want I and I think Leandrin hasn't not not, maybe not even appreciation but like okay i have to watch for you now and she has like this like evil little smile i don't know that it's necessarily that i think leandrin is just so overconfident there that she's like whatever Nynaeve tells me i'm gonna be able to use against her 
And so, you know, Leandrin goes into the story about Moraine and, like, is talking about her. And Lan comes up and is like, ah, can I join? And Leandrin's like, I was just leaving. And, like, I don't even think Nynaeve waits for Leandrin to be that far out of earshot before she's like, that woman is a snake. Yeah. Which I just love. And Lan's like, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, a lot of eyes, even even well-intentioned eyes and I are kind of snakes. I just, something I wish that we had seen and I hope maybe we see in the future is I want to meet another red. Yeah. Because knowing what we know about Leandrin in book two, there has to be a distinction between her level of evil. There, there has to be a distinction that like she is bitchier than everyone else. In the books, we have met another red, Elida. Who's also a bitch, but I trusted Leandrin less. That's true. Elida is very straightforward. But in the show, I need to meet another, because I need to see what the show is going to do with it. I think that'll be at least next season. Like, at the earliest next season. But there were other Reds in that camp. That's what I'm saying. Like, there were several Reds. I don't think we interacted with them. I would have liked to see a slight more interaction with one of them. Yeah. Maybe maybe we'll see them when the show gets to Tarvalon, because I think that they're doing Tarvalon instead of... I just want to see them interact with the world. We don't need to have, like, a conversation, but, like, I just want to see more of them besides just in the battle. Yeah. And one getting hit with a bunch of arrows, because that's basically the longest time another red besides Leandrin gets screen time is when that red gets shot full of arrows. Yeah. Shouldn't die, though. No, because the green stops and her. When you have Aes Sedai around... (laughs) It's hard to die. Well, and then all those reds get... And they uh, get re-grievously injured and then re-healed by Nynaeve's explosion of power. Oh. Before we get to that, there are two other plot lines. And I also, since we're still talking about Leander, and I do want to talk about the thing that I noticed when we rewatched. Uh-huh. When we're talking about Logan escaping mm-hmm. that first time, there's just like a look on Leandrin's face when they're when she's like, she clearly wants an excuse to gentle this man. Right. She does have two arguments even before that about like, let's just do it. And she says like, oh, well, if he were to escape, then we'd have an excuse to gentle him. And then she just gives him like this weird side look. And then we zoom in on Logan's face like, and he has, has a slight smile. And I'm wondering if it's because she slightly lifted her shield. Not Maybe. enough that the other eyes that I would notice because there is like this image when Maureen puts her shield on and then Leandrin lifts hers off. You can see the shield dissipating. Yeah. But maybe Leandrin's just, just not putting as much of her strength as she should be. In yeah, she, like, she still has the shield up, but yeah. she's not focusing as much energy for it. Even, even with two of them focusing, Logan was almost able to break it. Like, he, like, pushed it back when there were two full-strength shields on it. So, like, yeah, anything less than that. He started to push at it when it was Maureen and Alana talking. Yeah. And they neither of them would be lifting their right. shield. They just got slightly distracted because they were talking. But yeah. Leandrin and Corinne are not talking in that scene. So no. they're not being distracted by an external thing. But right. he breaks out of it. So I'm wondering if she lifted her shield yeah. slightly so she'd have an excuse I'm, to I'm thinking, him. given what happens after the shield breaks... And Moraine, so we get a really good Moraine scene where she, like, is manipulating the hell out of Logan. Yeah, that was awesome. She's, like, talking to him and making it seem like she's questioning if he's actually the Dragon Reborn. But really what she, she's doing that, actually. She is actually she's, doing why that. Why should I believe that you're the Dragon Reborn? But then at the same time, she is also buying time for Corrine and Leandrin to wake back up from getting knocked unconscious and 
shield Logan again. Yeah. But that, the, like, kind of consequences of that scene make me think that it, it could go either way, right? I think they're trying to hint at maybe something happened there, but maybe it didn't. I think they're opening the question, not necessarily answering it. Because when the three of them are trying to shield him, he breaks through and kills one of them. Yeah. And it's three and not two. So he is very strong. Right. But she has what's just a fantastic line. It's like, you are very strong, but your power is but a trickle. Yeah, it's a pinprick of candlelight compared to the raging sun of the Dragon Reborn. Fantastic line. Yeah, and then especially with where we end. Oh, which we will get to. I think we need to end on that last. Yeah, so let's... Let's let's... go to the Parrot and the Tinkers. Weakest storyline of this episode. I think so. And I think that's just because... And it's not because it's weak. It's just because everything else is so strong. Yeah. And there, there is kind of a weak part in it. And I don't like... I didn't particularly like Aram in the books either. And I still don't like him in the show. I don't understand why, when they've made all of these changes, why they kept that the same. Because Aram's trying to get with Egwene. And he's still trying to do it just as hard as he did in the books. And it doesn't make as much sense when... Egwene and Rand have an established ongoing relationship. I I kind of, I like that I don't like him. And I have like... Yeah. He is very clearly trying to get with her. And then they have a moment alone. And then he realizes, he's like, who is he? Yeah. Because you, you're distracted. And I like it in a sense that like, because I'm so amazing that like you have to have another person because mm-hmm. you're not interested in me. I just like... There's just a little bit more nuance to it, so he's not as assholey. Yeah. Um, because that is kind of like a thing I hate, especially because and I read romance, and that's a trope often. Is mm-hmm. that like, oh well, you have to have someone else because you're not interested in me? And it's like, no, the answer could just be I don't like you. Yeah. But with Egwene, I think because she's like staring off into the, di- I think he reads and picks up on that, like. It's not that you're not interested because you were great when we were dancing. It's mm. just you're clearly conflicted. Right. That bit I didn't mind. But again, I just don't understand. It doesn't make as much sense I with think, aged up characters. I think it does in a way because they're also establishing that he doesn't believe in his... He doesn't believe in the way of the leaf. Really. He doesn't believe... He believes in the way of the leaf in the sense that, like, why would he do violence? Yeah. He has no reason to. Right, but he also, I don't think, has ever been presented with a reason to. And he doesn't believe in the song. Yeah. Although I, then Egwene has this, they're all dancing, and she's and he, she asks him about the song, and she's like, are you sure you haven't already found it? Right, you haven't dancing and having a good time. The, the and this is the tinkers. This, and, she's, and it's not like she hasn't experienced everyone dancing around and having a good time. Although the last time that happened, her dancing partner got hit in the, hit in the back with an axe. Yeah. But... I think that even she's had several dances before. She probably danced with Rand a whole bunch, and this is the freest she's ever felt is being with these people. Yeah. And so I, I just I like that agree there. line. But he clearly doesn't believe as closely to his family's his or his people's teachings. And I'm I think that so that's kind of opposed by what I thought was a relatively strong point, which is Perrin's conversation with Illa. Who very clearly believes in her. She has had her belief tested and found true. Her daughter was killed by bandits, and she could have gone and tried to kill them. But she wanted revenge, and then Perrin's like, that doesn't sound like the way of belief. She's like, what better revenge than to live peacefully and get the rest of the world to live peacefully? And they're 
They are Re- you don't You can't get revenge for violence with violence. The revenge right. for violence is peace. They are uh, weaving the uh, the concept of the wheel more tightly into the world here. Which, which I, I re- enjoy. Yeah, I, I like it. That I think a weak part of the books is that despite all of the like large amount of world building that Robert Jordan did, that is excellent almost to a fault. There's not enough there's wheel. Not, there's not that much religion. Well, and I think it's not even that there's not as much religion. It's that literally the only person we ever hear talk about the wheel is Maureen. And she just says the wheel weaves is the wheel wheel wills or whatever nonsense she says. Yeah. So hearing the rest of these people talk about the wheel and like Tam talking about like when his wife is going to be spit back out by the wheel. And when Illa is talking about like she wants to make the world better for whenever the wheel spits her daughter back out again. Yeah. And it like does, it. it adds that element of almost religion to yeah. it, but it's also just, like, there are other people talking about it besides Moraine using it as a, I don't want to answer this question, so I'm just going to say the wheel weaves as the wheel wills. Yeah. We do learn that the Tinkers are basically nomadic drum circle Amish people. Yeah, because they have, like, a rumspringer. Yeah, they go away at 20 to make sure that the way, it, that the way they were born into isn't, is... The way that they want to be, which and, I like. I, that's a that's a good expansion. And like most Amish people with Rumspringer, they go back. They go back. I, that's some. That's like a misconception about the Amish that most people choose not to go back. And it's like they do. They live yeah. outside for a year, and they're like, no, I'm I miss our way. Right. So that was the. I mean, that that's basically the entirety of the Perrin Egoyan stuff. Yeah. There's a, like the conversation with Perrin, and like I think they're basically just allowing Perrin to see another way yeah, and give him some healing a little bit, I think, Maybe. or, like, introduce the possibility for him to, like, forgive himself. Yeah, maybe. The other plotline is the second strongest. It's in the middle. And again, not really by virtue of it being weak, just by virtue of the Logan stuff being so good. We spend some time with Rand, Matt, and Tom traveling. And the, the, Rand and Matt's journey is squished a lot. And I think partially so that people don't think that Rand is the dragon. Yeah. Because they, they're they traveling, they get to a farm, which is the Grinwell farm, and we don't get horny-ass Elsa Grinwell. Which ruins one of my predictions. It does. <laughs> because I, I'm i just sitting here thinking that Elsa Grinwell's been mentioned too many times, and she's going to be important. No, because they, <laughs> they turned her into her little girl, and then and they, they killed, killed her. her. Yeah. So they, they come up on the, the Grinwell farm and Mr. Grinwell, he has a name, I don't remember what his name is, like comes out of nowhere and has a bow on them. And an interesting thing here is Matt's reaching for the dagger and Tom notices, which I didn't catch on the first watch. Neither, neither did I. And that's I was kind too of focused where... on Rand's excellent downplaying of that situation. Yeah, Rand defused it very, very well. But this is where Tom starts to realize that Matt can channel, question mark. We know it's not. And I think... And I don't know if it's because we know that Matt can't channel and we know that it's the dagger. I'd be interested to talk to a friend of ours who's watching it to uh-huh. see what she thinks. Oh, yeah. Because she hasn't read the books. Yeah. But, and that's what brings in the con- the point I brought up about the view of, or just the visual effect of 
the, the corruption. corrupted weaves and the corrupted goo of yeah. Shadar Logoth. Because they do look very different. Like he's vomiting up he's vomiting up this stuff later when he's standing in a room surrounded by the dead Gridwell family. It's like coming out of his mouth. Yeah. But and so all Which, of that also took me on a wild oh, ride yeah. because we walk in, we just see Matt surrounded by bloody people and I know what the dagger does. Yeah. So I'm on like I'm automatically thinking like oh my god what did Matt do? Right. But then he raises his knife and it's clean. So I'm like okay. It's clean and it's pointed at a fade, which we'll come back to that, but the the like corruption of the dagger in this version is much more like physical rather than mental it seems. And it's in Tom's view seems like channeling sickness. It does. And you know, he's got it right. Yeah. Uh, so Tom has this conversation with Rand where he's like, I knew someone like him. He goes into a story and he tells him about Owen. And I like that we get a much more, we, we get it fairly straightforward in the books, but m- maybe it's just better voiced rather than written. Because like so. you can kind of feel why Jen, like Tom's kind of like grief for his nephew comes out more. He also describes how Owen kills himself, which yeah. I think it's graphic. And I, but I think it but needs I honestly to be graphic. Think it's necessary. Yeah, it needs to be because graphic to show says, like how bad being gentled is, or stilled even is, for somebody who can channel. Like it's he, like killing them. You, it just lasts longer. He talks about like they're just sitting at the dinner table, and he yawns and then kills him. Like yeah, kills just, himself. Like, like, like it's nothing. Yeah. Like it, like he didn't do any thought into it. They didn't really see many signs other than him being tired. Like it was just an. It well, was they, just like a, he did mention that he was not the same person after the Reds Gentleton. But there was no immediate warning that this was about to happen, or else they wouldn't have given him a steak knife. Right. Like the, it was all of a sudden, and I think that that's like an important thing when it comes to that. Yeah. Because it just shows how not only destroyed they feel, but like it's not even that they have all this emotion and that's why that they end up taking their own life. It's just that they don't have any emotion right. left. Right. Gentling or stilling removes their reason to live. But not in a in like a very resigned way, it almost seems. I mean I think it's in an external way, not necessarily a resigned way. It's like, you know, if if you do something and that causes you to lose your reason to live, it's less resi- like it's not ex- as resigned but if somebody else does it to you it just kind of kills everything yeah and it's just it's it's heartbreaking it is and i think especially because we get very clear confirmation that like tom wants to help matt he's like doesn't matter what we do we need to keep him away from the eyes that i and i think that it's a little rough accelerating they're going to talk about them. yeah i think that accelerating tom like introducing tom so late and then introducing that story, it just makes Tom make more sense. It I does. actually really like this iteration of Tom. Because if you listen to the first season when we discuss Eye of the World, I spend a lot of the Eye of the World not, not trusting Tom. Tom. Yeah. Like, I'm wondering why he's here. Yeah. And we get the Owen thing much earlier. I do wish we got just, like, one more episode with Tom. Yeah. Maybe we will. I don't know. Because, you know, it does. But like it Tom ends... ends the episode, quote, unquote, dead. Yeah. Because... He, the he same ends, the same level of dead that we thought he was in the book right. because the, he just he attacks fade, a fade. The fade fight in Whitebridge is just at the Grinwell farm here. Yeah. Um he's like 
run, and then he pulls out a lot of knives. Um, and holds his own against... We see him hold more of his own against this fate than we did in Whitebridge because they were outside. Yeah. Whereas they had to get to a door and escape, so you end up seeing more of... I like that there were... Same with Tom, like Tam. We uh-huh. see more of these people, these father figures being badass. We do. Because we see Tam fight a Trolloc. We see Tom... Yeah. We see Tom hold off a Fade for longer than just launching himself at the Fade, because that's what happens in the book. Right. We literally just see Tom run towards the Fade. Yeah. And then they're, and then Matt and Rand are gone. gone. Yeah. There is another kind of heart-wrenching bit in the Grinwell plot line, which oh. is that Els, the girl, uh, notices Matt getting sick. And that's kind of like the first time that we see the corruption on him. Mm-hmm. And that like kind of like retracts and he starts talking to the girl. And we're like, oh no, he's going to just murder her. Because he, he's he got this look, this like greedy look in his eyes. And she gives him bread and he's like, thank you. And it like reminds him of his sisters. And he like comes back to Matt. Yeah. And he like talks about his sisters. Fantastically acted. Because before it was like, oh no, he's going to kill her. And then like it's gradual. And by the time he starts talking, he's Matt again. And he, you know, she asks about where his sisters are because he's got them. Then she gives him her doll. Brigitte. Who's supposed to protect her. When everybody's asleep. When everyone's asleep. And it's just because Matt had the doll, it didn't protect her. And then he runs with the doll. And it's left behind. (laughs) And he accidentally drops it. And I'm just like. It's interesting that that is a, a hint at the Heroes of the Horn. I like that as well. Yeah. I'm just stuck on the. Matt is going to be like, if she had the doll, maybe she wouldn't have died. Because it wasn't just like, here's a doll that I love. Take it to your sisters. It's, this is the doll that protects me while I sleep. Yeah. Take it to your sisters. And then she and, dies. And, then she and he dies. leaves it behind. And he leaves it behind. Poor Matt. Oh, yeah. So before we get to the like battle scene, there is one more scene that we, we forgot to talk about. Which is Lan praying in the woods. I think, in my brain, that lumps into the battle scene. We talked about the battle scene already. A little bit, yeah. We could, like, they're fighting off Loghain's army. That's what the battle scene is. So I'm just gonna... gonna, I narrowed in on all the Land Eve stuff. All the Land Eve stuff. For the battle. You know, they're talking around the campfire... Land invites the, her to the sit. warders call call him Alan Mandragoran, which we know means that he's a king, but she doesn't, and she the doesn't. warders seem to. Yeah, they do. They're like telling us that you know he invites her to the campfire, and he's like, "You're welcome around our campfire as long as you promise not to shove anyone into it." <laughs> I like that she gets along with the warders more than the Aes Sedai. Yeah, I do too. Because she's like, you guys aren't, You, she says, you you guys are more fun than you look. One of Alana's warders is like, hey now, I look real fun. <laughs> love it. <laughs> I loved Alana's warders. They're, They're great. great. Yeah, so they're just like around the story telling embarrassing stories about Lan to embarrass him in front of this girl that he clearly likes. Yeah. Because Stepin picks up on it. But like, yeah. He's like, you pick interesting traveling companions, and then just sees Lan's far-off, adoring look. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and so the next morning, there's a scene where Lan has gone off into the woods to, like, pray. Again, like, the religion things come back up. And Nynaeve is clearly interested in Like, she wants to figure him out. Right. And I think partially because, you know, she's slightly attracted to him, so she wants to figure out that as well. I mean, who wouldn't be slightly attracted to Lan, at least? That man. That man. (laughs) (laughs) But so she follows him and, like, sees him praying. And then she does, like, a sort of 
prayer. It, it's she's treating it like a prayer. It's not. It's not. But like she she kisses her fingers and puts them to the ground because like she interrupted his prayers. So she I feel yeah. like she's like offering something in re- she's offering something personal in return. Yeah, which is interesting. She's just allowing herself to be vulnerable, which is not a picture of Nynaeve we get in the books. No, which I so I'm enjoying seeing both of them be vulnerable. Yeah, and she repeats these words. In the old tongue. It's a lot of words in the old tongue, which surprises Lan. He's like, I didn't know you knew the old tongue. She's like, I don't know what it means. And then Lan asks, would you like to? Because these are the, and she says that these are the last words that Uh, Yeah, the last words, yeah. These are the last words my parents said to me when our village got attacked. Yeah. I used to say them... When I felt scared. When I felt scared. And he's like, why did you stop? And then she's like, I don't know what they mean. And no one goes to wisdoms for ignorance. Right. So he like walks past her. And he's like, would you like to know what they mean? Yeah. And they are the last words Aemon, the last king of Menethrin, said to his wife Eldrine before going to war to die. Yeah. It's before the battle they knew they'd lose. Right. (sighs) You had a reaction. I can't tell you about this, but oh my fucking God. And my brain is just reeling trying to piece it together. Because like, you're like, all right. And I've pieced together. Anyone who's read all the books is probably laughing along with Will at me trying to figure out what this means. Because it's clearly from from a book that I haven't read yet. But I don't think that this is something that Nynaeve's parents say to her. Because that is, you said that that backstory is new for Nynaeve. Yeah. So this isn't words that Nynaeve... I can't, I can't tell you anything. Nynaeve's parents say to her. So I'm just like... Is this something that Lan says to her at some point? I can't tell you anything. And you can't tell me anything. I can't tell you anything. <laughs> you can't tell me anything. I wish I could tell you things, <laughs> but I can't. And it just plays even further to the fact that this man has utterly and emotionally wrecked me. I know. This man has a chokehold on my emotions, and I did not expect it. Like, I just... You hear me talk about Harry Potter a lot. I have, like, a very unreasonable attack, attachment to the Marauders era. And I'm just going to leave it there. But, uh, like... like <laughs> leave it there, huh? I'm just going to leave it there. I have, an, like, a just, like, unhealthy attachment to a bunch of gay dead wizards from the 70s. <laughs> and Lan is, like, up there with that. Lan is... He Lan has... Is... A chokehold on this me. This is a land appreciation <laughs> this podcast. This is a land appreciation podcast. And, like, I know this this series is not going to end well for him. Like, it's... <laughs> you have no fucking idea what happens. I have no idea. And I'm just and I'm going to torture you with it until you're done with book 14. And I'm just like... We watched the episode, and, you know, the ending happens, and I did not need to see land bleed out on screen. Yeah. That so... was not something I needed four episodes into this show. But I'm just like, I couldn't breathe... And then I just am, like, crying after the episode's over and screaming at Will, like, did you know, did you know that I would have such an emotional (laughs) attachment to this man? Nope. I mean, we all should have that emotional attachment to Lan, but... Lan Mandragoran has absolutely wrecked me as a person, and if Robert Jordan were alive, I'd make him answer for it. (laughs) Well, you could maybe make Brandon Sanderson answer for it. He didn't create land, though. He didn't. And I haven't read Brandon Sanderson's land yet. And I have two hopes. One, I hope land makes it long enough for Brandon Sanderson (laughs) to write him. 
And then I also hope that he adds whatever Brandon Sanderson miss he has to land. Yeah. So let's skip ahead. We talked about the battle a little bit. Let's skip ahead to like the very ending because that's the last like super relevant well, bit. Well, we miss the the battle. I just appreciate on another land eve moat moment because he's protecting, he's protecting her the entire time like yes they're running towards where he thinks moraine is but he is slowing himself down enough to protect Nynaeve. yeah whereas if he didn't care about Nynaeve at all he probably would have barreled through to find his eyes and eye right but he's stopping and like making sure she's going through the battle like he's putting himself in front of her they're running through the forest holding hands like yeah and the whole time it like the camera's framing it like Nynaeve's about to channel and fuck up this army and she, and she doesn't and I kept waiting for it I was waiting for it too I'm just like he's just gonna channel nope yeah no she just stabs a dude and, okay and then they get she to, does stab a dude she does she does then they get to the cave and it's like okay well maybe she's not going to yeah but then I was Steppen like, in his rage at having his eyes that I kill goes to kill Logan with his axes and Logan shatters them, sending shards of metal, and just everybody in the room is injured except for Nynaeve. Like, because Lan puts himself in yeah. front of her. Yeah, Lan gets in front of Nynaeve and gets his throat slit by an axe fragment, and he's there bleeding out on like a lot, like spurting blood. There's a pool of blood behind him, and she's in disbelief. And then, but, like, she shakes herself out of it, and she kicks into gear, and she's, like, trying to stop it, but she's realized she can't. And then she just keeps screaming no. Then all of a sudden, she basically explodes. Yep. She magics so hard that her braid explodes. she magics her braid apart. She magics her braid apart. It's just, like, floating in the air with this, like, solar flare of magic. she's healing everybody in the room. And Loghain, who we do have, we do have confirmation that he's not seeing the weeds. He's just seeing the shockwave. Or he's feeling the shockwave. Seeing and feeling. Um, and watching all of these eyes that I get healed. Yeah. And and she's in the middle of it like a raging sun. And he's like, like a raging sun. And he's like in awe of her. And that's the moment where he's like, I'm not the dragon. Yeah. This woman is the dragon. Right. And then he gets gentled. Then he gets gentled pretty quickly. And then. And he's very sad, but he's like still in sort of disbelief. Yeah, he's like... Which makes me wonder two things. One, is he going to be just absolutely dedicated to Nynaeve now? I want that. Two, is his dedication to Nynaeve going to help him resist the, like, nothing? I want that too. Because I want there to be different portrayals of what can happen when someone gets gentled or stilled. I just want these options for characters when there's just like a, oh... If you get gentled or stilled, you're just going to kill yourself. Right. That If that's the only option, then that's... It's a little boring. It is. And so if we watch... And it says some not great things about, like, mega depression. <laughs> right. It doesn't provide much of a message that you can get out of it. Right. And knowing at least what I know about Brendan Sanderson's books, like... I mean, he writes all his characters super depressed, but some of them get out of it, mm. from what you said. They don't get out of it. They just learn They learn how to cope. And well, and you can't... Depression doesn't go away. Very true. But if we see Logan just, like, attach himself to Nynaeve... Yeah. And it helps him not fall into the despair pit. Yeah. I do also wonder what... Like, how that'll play with the voices that are probably still going to be there. Yeah, because I don't think he's going to get any crazier because he no longer has the corruption. Right, but it's so, touched him. It's left its mark. He's he's as crazy as he's going to get magically. Yeah. He could still go crazy. That's true. But that would just be because 
he's a human and sometimes humans go crazy. Very true. Like, sometimes people have mental health issues and it's fine. But I think he is no longer any mental health problems, any mental health analogous problems that he ends up having are not going to be magically created anymore. Yeah. The magic has done what it's going to do. Right. But yeah, it's... Yeah. Uh, it was... It's just, it's a really, really good episode. It's a really good episode. Lanave has killed us. I am dead. Yeah. I am. You are a ghost. I am a ghost. I am dead. Do ghosts get to do recurring segments? I think so. Okay. <laughs> are there any other ship updates that we haven't talked about for an hour? Um, <laughs> Lanave. Lanave. And, um, Warder Polly. Okay. Triads. Yeah. We've talked about both of those already. Love There's it. not much more to add, I don't yeah. think. I, I actually, uh, I have one thing to add, and that's the, like, weird Aram Egwene stuff. I really don't want that to do anything. Yeah. They are kind of setting up for him, because they talk about the Rumspringa, and he looks about Naive's, or he looks about Egwene's age, and they've said they're about 20. Yeah. And so they're setting it up for when Perrin and Egwene leave for him to go with them. Yeah. I don't want it. No. Okay. I don't want it. That's fair. I, mostly because I don't think Perrin likes Aram, and I don't want to mess with the Perrin and Egwene friendship that we're getting right now, because I'm loving for it. Like, they have, like, yeah. a, they have a kinship, and I like it, so I don't, I, ship update, I do not want okay. an Egwene and... That counts as a ship update. Aram ship. I kind of liked it in the book, I don't want it for the show. Yeah. It makes more sense in the book. They're younger. Yeah. She's not in an established relationship. Yes. Favorite moments. You can't pick the whole episode. <laughs> I think, obviously, just, like, watching Lan and Nynaeve come to realizations about who each other are. Mm-hmm. Like, I really liked the moment after they've been vulnerable with each other. And mm-hmm. she's like, Al Lan Mandragoran, yeah. you are not what I thought you were. Which is funny, because and then, she is still thinking the wrong thing. Because she refers to him as a king. And he just gets that. He, one, because he's she's referring to him as a king, he just gets a little bit of, like, a look on his face of like you don't know what you're saying you don't know what you're saying and i don't necessarily i feel like he doesn't necessarily like it when people call him king but it, it like i can see like yeah, it's, it's okay when you do it though yeah <laughs> and then she's he's like well what did you think i was and she's like a lap dog with two legs and he's like wisdom almira i you are exactly what i thought you were and i really wanted him to call her a lioness but then a battle starts and i'm just like yeah. oh damn yeah that was really great. Also, she magicked so hard, her braid exploded. Yep. If we're doing two, that is one of mine. The other one is Logan at the beginning. I, I love this portrayal of Logan so much. Everything about it is great. The only thing that could be a little less, that could be a little toned down, is I could use a little less of him looking like a Jesus clone. Yeah, he's not only acting like Jesus, but he does he like, look. He's got like the robe and the hair, and like I just want and a he's little not, less. And he's like not a white man. Yeah, like I just want a little less. Yeah, a little less Jesus would be good. There's some Jesus because he's the Dragon Reborn. He's Jesus, like, or he's not the Dragon Reborn, but he thinks he is. That was that was my other favorite moment. Last one. Episode ratings. Okay, I'm going to retcon a little bit Okay. for my last week's ratings. And I think I'm going to go for an 11 instead of whatever rating I gave. Okay. I settled on sticking to my guns and just doing it based on vibes. Just on vibes. Just okay. on vibes. So last episodes one through three were like a 10.5. I'm going to round it up to 11 because I don't do 0.5s. Okay. This week, I'm going to go for like 13. Okay. It's yeah. not... It's not perfect, but it's It's not close. perfect, but like... If I was doing a five, if it was, if we were converting that to a five point scale, that would, that would be a five. Okay. There's more room here though. 
there's more room here, so I get to be a little bit more nuanced. I think I'm also going to give it a 13. And I was I was thinking about giving it a 14, but I'm not a huge fan of the Aram Egwene stuff. And I'm also not a huge fan of them basically flipping Matt and Rand. Yeah. They Like, Rand is getting the Matt storyline from... Or a lot, lots of the Matt storyline from Eye of the World, and Matt I, is getting a lot of the Rand storyline. I feel like they're not necessarily getting each other's storylines. It's the, just that, like... Maybe not storylines, but they're getting a lot of the characterization. Matt's getting sick, and Rand is taking care of him. Well, Matt was getting sick with the dagger, and Rand was taking care of him until Rand channeled, and then... And then it had to reverse, but I don't think we're going to get the reverse. And right now, it's set up to be... Rand thinks that it's channeling sickness. It's the Matt stuff. Rand's getting the Matt stuff. Yeah. Matt is getting the Rand stuff. They are kind of also just like, they're both getting both. Yeah. Which is fine. Like I'm not a I'm not thrilled, but I'm yeah. not a huge fan. And it's not it's not bad enough to take off any more than half a point. But that and the Aram stuff kind of knock it down half a point for me to a thirteen, which is still very, very good. I still loved the shit out of this episode. Like, based on pure vibes, like ten out of ten. Yeah. Like but we're not doing ten, so thirteen out of fourteen. Yeah. Alright, this was episode four, The Dragon Reborn. Next week is episode five, Blood Calls Blood. Just an unofficial recurring segment. Like, what do you think is going to happen? I have no idea. I think we end with the episode in Tarvalin. I think we end. Yeah. I think we uh, at least somebody in Tarvalin. Yeah, I'd say that. Probably Egwene and Perrin. Because the Tinkers are also going to Tarvalin. The Tinkers are going to Tarvalin, and I think they're the furthest along. Maybe Matt and Rand. Maybe all of them. I don't know. Yeah, I think, well, I think definitely at least Matt, Rand, Perrin, and Egwene beat them because, as Naimi, you said, they took. They went half a day. They went half a day in the wrong direction. Yeah. So they're ahead. Yeah, I I honestly don't know what's going to happen, though, because they're not going to (laughs) Camelin. Like, I know where it's going to end, and I know some of the beats along the way, but I have no idea what's going to happen in between. So. So I guess we will find out next week. We'll find out next week. Episode five. Bye. Bye.